Welcome to the July 16th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20, and the sermon is entitled, Fulfilling Our Call to Discipleship, delivered today by Next Gen Pastor Nathan Williams. I want to bring before you today a very, very exciting time as Pastor Nathan comes. He is our next generation pastor. He is doing good things in our youth department. He has, got, has a lot on his plate Uh, He has brought so much to the staff and and knowledge. And like I said, I want to remind you from the announcements, any questions that you have about the directory, make sure to call him, okay? Don't call me. Call him. But I'm grateful that he has an expertise in so many different areas, and he brings that to our leadership team. I'm grateful for him today. I'm grateful to introduce to him in his first sermon besides... Uh, besides the trial sermon, but his first sermon on a Sunday morning. Would you welcome Nathan Williams to the pulpit? Good morning. I'm honored to have the opportunity to share with you about the disgraceness of our God, but also just the grace of our Savior and how he equips us all to be able to fulfill the call he has on all of our lives. So if you'll flip to Matthew 28, we'll be in verses 16 and 20 today. But before we get there, I just want to share with you briefly that when I was younger... I loved playing basketball, and I would, in my spare time, I would go outside, and I would just play. If it was raining, I was out there. If it was cold, I was out there, because I liked it. There was also a little goal in mind. There was a few spots on our basketball team at school, and I was not in an older grade, so it would be hard for me to get in it, but I worked really hard, and I remember the moment during tryouts, I was called back, and I was given a spot on the team. I was blown away. I was honored. But how weird would it have been if after being told I was on the team, was given a jersey, I never showed up again? It would be kind of weird. Or a little less extreme, if I showed up to games, I showed up to practices, but any time I was asked to go on the court or run or do I said, I'll sit down, I'll just watch. I'll just watch from the side, I'll just let everyone out. That would be weird because the call of a team player on a basketball team is to play and contribute to the goal of winning. Maybe a little bit more relatable, many of us have gotten jobs, had to apply, go through an interview process, showing our skills on a resume. How weird would it be after being offered a a position you've tried out for, you sat in the corner of the office and never did work, expecting a paycheck, or stayed in the truck on the job site, never getting out to work. That would be weird, because the call of an employee is due to the work given them. But likewise, today I want us to talk about the call all of us have to discipleship. The whole church, all of us, anyone who's in the body of Christ, who's put their faith in Jesus Christ, He gives us an amazing call to go and share the hope we have with other people. We're not called to be spectators and watch as pastors do it, or people who just are really ambitious do it. We're all called to be team players and go and make disciples in the name of Jesus Christ. And I just want us to see the grace that He gives us in that call. Today we're going to be looking at the grace that Jesus provides us to be able to fulfill our call to go and make disciples. So turn to Matthew chapter 28. I'm going to be reading verses 16 through 20. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some doubted. 
And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Would you just join me in a quick time of prayer? Father God, I just we thank You for this opportunity we have to study Your Word. The Word that You graciously give us so we can see how we're supposed to follow You. We can see and behold the grace and the goodness of our King Jesus Christ, Lord. And I just pray that today as we study it, that You'll get me out of the way, but Your Word will speak to every heart here. Every person who has their faith in You and every person who's here, Lord, I pray that You'll work and move through Your Word. In Jesus' name. Amen. What we see happening here is Jesus returning to His disciples. But we see one word at the beginning that says now. John said this isn't the beginning of the story. It's the end of Matthew's account of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. What we see is Jesus went to several people calling them to leave their nets, to leave their tax booths, and to follow Him in a service of advancing the Kingdom of God. Calling a people back to what truly God was about. Not getting caught up in religion and other things. And these people came and learned to depend on His wisdom. Just read through the Gospel and see Jesus always had the thing to say. Always knew what to say in situations. They learned to depend on it. They learned to depend on His power as they watched Him heal people. Calm raging seas. As they watched Him raise people from the dead. It's not just something in a story, but Jesus raised people back from the dead. And these disciples watched that and learned to find confidence in this person who was the Messiah. They could rest in Him. But something that we see that happened before this, Jesus was warning them and telling them, I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to die. You're going to tear this temple down. In three days, I'm going to raise again. And they might have had ideas of what was going to happen. But then we see in Matthew 26 that when the shepherd was struck, when he was arrested, when he was taken away, the disciples scattered. They didn't know what to do. Some of them just kind of followed from a distance. Like, what's going to happen now? What are we going to do now? And we see that several days later, it's not just something we celebrate and have hope in on Easter, but we see that Jesus did do all He said He was going to do. He did conquer the grave. He did free us from our sin by dying on a cross. And He came back and when we pick up, He told them, I'll see you again in Galilee. We see Him coming and meeting them again. He's coming to them in His resurrected body with more glory than our physical bodies have right now. There was more to Him. There was something mighty about Him. And I, these disciples, when they beheld that, when they saw that and saw the greatness of their King, the greatness of their Savior, that He truly had saved them and done everything He said He would do, they fell down and worshipped Him. When you see how great Jesus is and the hope that He gives you, you can't help but worship and fall down and just praise Him for all He's done. And that is the root. You can't disciple and go and share a hope if you do not have that hope of beholding what Jesus has done for you. But we see something before our sermon starts and we jump into the, that they also doubt it. It's a little weird. As these disciples, these apostles who are supposed to start the church 
It makes sense that they got to see Jesus and they're worshiping, but they doubted him. Yeah, the original word here can literally mean they're uncertain of what to do. They're hesitant. They're kind of unsure. It doesn't mean unbelief. Well, Jesus really didn't do everything he said he was going to do. It's more likely they're unsure of what's going to happen now. What are we going to do now, Jesus? And our story begins today. This sermon, this lesson begins today of all of us being in that position sometimes. Maybe we beheld Jesus. We've accepted him. But sometimes we're doubting or uncertain of what now, Jesus? What do you want me to do with my life now? All these callings you've given me, that may, I don't know how I'm going to do that. There's a lot to do. There's a lot to follow. But today we're going to see that by grace, Jesus provides three foundations that we can squarely stand on to fulfill all of our call to go and make disciples. We see at the beginning here that the first foundation, the sure foundation that Jesus gives all of us is His authority that we can stand on. The word here, power or authority, connotes more than just the ability to wield power. It's the right to it. It was His to use. He had conquered the grave. He had defeated the enemy. He had freed all who put faith in Him from sin. And He had the power to use that authority now. Disciples watched that He had authority over all creation. We see in Colossians that Jesus is the one who made everything. He made it all by His power, through Himself, for Himself, and He holds it all together in Himself. But now, after He's raised from the grave, He tells the disciples, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Me. He's telling them that not just because He wants to brag about Himself, He's coming and meeting them in their uncertainty to say, behold, look at Me. I have all power and authority. You can trust and rest in that. It makes me think of 2 Corinthians chapter 7. Chapter 5, excuse me, verse 17 through 20. Where Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespass against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, going, making His appeal through us. See that Jesus gives us a foundation to go and make disciples upon. It's not our perfection. It's not all of our talent, our knowledge, what people think about us. It's His foundation. It's His authority that He has provided the world a hope that no one can take from someone when they put their faith in Him. And He sent us not as just people to go around and try to, on our own accord, figure out, but He sends us as ambassadors to share the ministry that He has in saving lost souls that have lost their way and aren't in relationship with God as they were made for. And that gives me hope that when I read this passage, it says, go and make disciples, go and teach all people. 
I don't have to wait till I have it all together to do that. I'm not trying to give them the good news of Nathan Williams. There's not much good news in that. But we get to go and share the good news that Jesus Christ is able to save. We can depend on His power and authority to save. So that should give us the confidence to submit to Him and follow Him as He leads us to go. I was talking to Tom earlier and it blew me away that all these songs and the verses weren't necessarily planned necessarily for this specific message. But the verse we were reading earlier, a few verses before, Paul also says, before he talks about laying the foundation, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. When he's talking about the ministry he has. So in the same way, our call to go and make disciples, we don't need to be uncertain of if anything's going to happen if we're submitted to the power and the authority of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If we walk humbly submitted to Him, praying and trusting in Him, praying for opportunities to share our hope, praying for opportunities to help a young believer to mature, God is all-powerful and has the authority to make those things come to be. So the first step of learning how to fulfill all of our call to discipleship is to not look at ourselves, but to look to a Savior and trust in Him and to follow Him, confident that He will do what He says to do. Sometimes we get defeated because we try to do it in our own power. Sometimes we get burnt out in ministry and serving and trying to share the gospel. We just give up trying because we try to do it on our own strength. It makes me think about when I was younger. I used to help my grandfather in the summer for about a week. And he would call me his little gopher. He would just send me to get tools and to go do things. I didn't know what I was doing. I would just listen to anything he told me to do. And he would always tell me to do the easy things like screwing and unscrewing things. And little Nathan had the hardest time figuring out which way to turn the screwdriver. And he would give me this little... And Kurt, hey, righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. And I was like, the bottom's going right or the top going right? It didn't really help me out that much. <laughs> but if anyone who's ever tried to use a screwdriver, if you spin it the wrong way, it's not going to do what you want it to do no matter how hard you push. Sometimes we try to do things in our own authority, turning things the wrong way in our own power. Not submitting to Christ first and trusting His power and authority first and then following Him. Disciple-making isn't all the pressure on us, all the pressure on you. Disciple-making is just following and trusting a Savior who is able to save and to do the work for us. So some of us might have situations where we need to turn over and submit to Christ. Maybe we have people in our family that we don't submit and trust Christ to save and work in and we don't even pray for them. We don't even look for opportunities to save, like share the good news with them and to help them because we still think it's all about us. I just urge you to trust in the goodness and the grace of Jesus as he gives us a foundation of his authority upon which we can go and share the hope we have and make disciples. But he doesn't just stop there. Here's my authority. Now you have to figure it out. He gives us another sure foundation of his word. Jesus provides us by grace His Word to stand on as we go and make disciples. He says, go, in verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Jesus gives these uncertain disciples guidance. He explains what they need to do. He says, go. You don't need to stay. My authority isn't limited to this one little town. My authority and my power is over the whole world. Go and make disciples of everyone. Literally all people groups. Everyone. So as we go, we can rest in His Word that if there's anyone we know, whether we're friends with them or not, whether we work with them or not, whether we're very familiar with what they're about or not, we can rest assured that He has called us to go and make disciples and share the good news with those people. Maybe even people in this church that we don't really know that well. We're called. We can go to all people and share the hope and encourage people on how to follow and rest in the good news of Jesus Christ. He tells us specifically what we're here to do is to make disciples. To teach all people. Teaching people how to go and do the same thing that you're doing. So if you're hoping and resting in Christ, if you're following Him, the call that you have is to find other people to teach and disciple on how to do that too. How to put their hope in Christ. It's like an apprenticeship. People don't come knowing all the answers. They just follow and observe someone else do the job. And over time they learn just by watching that they can do it too. That's what we're called to, to be like. Invite people into our lives and show them not our perfection. Not that we have it all together, but show them our hope and that we follow Christ hoping and holding on to Him. And people see that, learning from us. And His Word is the conduit He uses to do that. You probably heard the little saying, you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. But if you teach a man to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. The same way, discipleship is more than teaching someone how to do a good thing. Discipleship's more than this is what's right and wrong. That'll help someone's sinful, broken heart just for a little bit. But true discipleship is showing someone a Savior who can save them and teaching someone of the hope they can have in a God who can change their heart and make them new to where they can follow Him forever. That will last a lifetime, not just morality. That does not mean doing right and wrong doesn't matter. But the core that we need to share is the hope we have in Christ to make us new. To lead us, to give us hope, to make us at peace with God. And apart from that, it doesn't matter how many good things we do. And His Word makes that clear to us that that's what we need to do. He says that we need to lead people in the truth. He says go and baptize all people. I think it's beautiful how this church, we see baptism happen. People are publicly showing, I am turning from my sin in my past life. My only hope is Christ now. I'm coming up new, following Him. We're called when we go and make disciples, not just to teach morality, but to share. You need to die to yourself and put your hope in Christ in baptism and follow Him. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, I think Jesus put that in there intentionally. We need to teach them the nature of what God is like. Theology isn't just for the schools, it's for everyone who follows God. What we understand and think about God is the most important thing about us. If we think He's just a man in the sky with a beard, 
floating in some clouds with a harp, letting anyone who's kind of good in, that won't convict us to follow him. But if we understand we serve an all-powerful, all-holy God that justly condemns sin and can't be with it, but he's also a loving Father who gives us grace and hope in Christ, that changes us completely. So when we go and make disciples, we can rest on his word that we can see and find in there what God is like. He's a loving Father. Jesus teaches us to call on God as our Father. Because if we're in Christ, we're a child of God and we're secure in that. So when we go and make disciples, we can rest in that truth of his word. Also, he says, teach people not just the important highlights, but to teach all people all things that I've commanded you. Not just some of it. Makes me think of a popular passage in John chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, where Jesus says to the Jews who have believed in him, if you're truly my disciples, abide in my word, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. True disciples... Not just the people you're discipling. You, if you're following Christ, you are a disciple. Isn't just someone who just believes in God, but abides in the word of Christ and the hope that we see in God's word, that Jesus has made a way for us to be reconciled to God. If we abide in God's word, if we're changed by God's word, if we're renewed by the power of God's word just by spending time with him, he equips us and gives us the foundation of the knowledge we need to make disciples. We don't need the New York Times best-selling author on how to lead, how to disciple. We just need God's Word. If we rest in God's Word and what it says, His power and authority will do the rest. We don't have to look at ourselves and trust in that. Makes me think of my favorite psalm, Psalm chapter 1, where it says, The blessed man does not take counsel with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners. Or sit in the seat of scoffers making fun of those who follow God. But the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord and meditates on it day and night. He's someone who's planted firmly. He is like a tree. Planted firmly by streams of living water. Yielding its fruit in this season. So as disciple makers, that's what we're called to be. God's word should not be distant from us. Should be an active part of our lives where God ministers to us. And then He equips us and gives us what we need to teach people the hope we have, to show people the hope we have. And we can rant, plant in Him, in His power, through His Word, in which we can go and make disciples. God's Word is not a tool for us to know how to achieve everything on our own. God's Word is an avenue to knowing the grace of Jesus Christ and what He's done for us so we can follow Him and trust in Him. So the greatest way to disciple sometimes is to invite people into God's Word. Sometimes the TV replaces God's Word in the home. Sometimes the greatest opportunity parents have to disciple is just to talk about God's Word. You don't have to know the answers. You don't have that all together. But just show what God's teaching you in His Word. And kids, eat that up. All you have to do is your co-workers, your friends, you don't need to know everything that God is, everything about the Bible. Just sharing God's word with them can make an impact because God uses that. It's a foundation we can rest on. So as believers, as disciples of Christ, as we follow him, we should be inviting people into the word with us. 
not just isolated only. This doesn't mean don't have personal time in God's word. But sometimes the greatest opportunity as disciples is just to sit down and read a little passage with someone and talk about it without knowing the answers. And God uses that more than we'll ever know. God's word is like the fuel of discipleship. Apart from that, we can't run this task God's given us, this calling God's given us. But His grace doesn't end there. Jesus gives us another sure and steady foundation. Probably my favorite of them all. That is the spark that lights that fuel, and that's His presence. We see at the end of verse 20, it says, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He says this to uncertain disciples who don't know what they're going to do, what next. This is a big task Jesus has been talking to us about, and He's going to leave now? What are we going to do now? Sometimes we feel the same way. Well, I don't know how I'm going to do this on my own. But Jesus promises that He is with us. His presence goes with us. If we're still and spend time with Him, resting in His presence... That's what guides us and leads us in our discipleship. When he says, behold, I am with you. That means in our call to go and do, it's not something we're doing in order to get back to God. God's already with us because Jesus had made peace with God to where we can be with him. Big part of my story is I grew up in the church trying as hard as I can with white knuckles to get to God by doing as many good things as I could. Trying to accomplish as much as I could. Because sometimes we can look at this call to go and teach all people, to make disciples of all people as another thing that we just have to do to get close with God. But friend, if you think that you're missing the hope of the gospel, Jesus says, if you have put your faith in me, I'm already with you. You're already at peace with God. Rest in that. You're on my team. You have a certain ending of this team as my power and authority goes with you as my ambassador. The truth of my word dwells in you through my spirit. His presence does a few things for us. It comforts us. I don't know about you, one of the sweetest things in life is finding the joy of being alone with God. Reading His word and trying just to spend time with the Creator I was made for. Everything else is fleeting. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. Nowhere else will we find fulfillment and satisfaction other than the presence of a relationship with God that we can have through Jesus Christ. That is the foundation where we can have the comfort and the certainty about ourselves to go and share it. That's what we have we're sharing. Is there a fellowship and a relationship with God? Not just a list of things we have to do, but a relationship with the Creator all people were made for. His presence also guides us in a very real way. Sometimes we fill our lives with so many distractions. There's so much media out there now. We can fill ourselves with social media, TV. We can anything that we fill our heads with. We can be distracted just by watching things all day long and never spending time in the presence of God. Never spending time near Him. 
Because you'll be surprised when you do that. When you pray and ask God to lead and guide you, He will do it. I was blown away. I was really convicted by this recently. I prayed and asked God for an opportunity to share the good news I had. And three hours later, it happened. And that's the first time I've ever done that. I was like, God, how have I not done this my whole life? Then I did it again, but then I was on my phone, sitting on my phone, just wasting time. Maybe some people sit and watch TV, I don't know. But often in our culture, we can distract ourselves. There's lots of distractions out there. If we're not in God's presence, we miss opportunities. I remember praying for an opportunity to witness, and I saw a group of people, just by their language and what they were doing, that they probably didn't know the hope of Christ. And I was like, well, there's a bunch of them. I wouldn't want to talk to a bunch of them. And then they all but one left. But my posture of my heart was so saturated and just mindless scrolling that I didn't have the awareness to go and talk to that person. And it was a missed opportunity. But if we take time to be still in God's presence, our heart can be aware to those opportunities we have to go and be obedient. Because Jesus is with us. He guides us. He leads us. And the last thing we see is His presence works through us. Firstly, in our own sanctification, in our own salvation, He puts to death sin in our life. It's not us with our white knuckle attempts that destroy sin. It's the Spirit of God in us doing that. And people notice that. When you follow Christ living in His presence, you begin to act differently, to speak differently, to live differently. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean overnight you become a perfect person, but it means that over years you can look back and say, the man I am now, or the woman I am now, is different than the woman and the man that God met back then. And people see that. And His presence can work through our life to witness and minister to other people as we share the hope we have. The love we have, the joy we have, the peace we have, the patience we have, all the fruit of the Spirit are reflections of God's work and His presence in our life, and people see that. So sometimes discipleship is resting in God's presence where people can see and observe the work of a holy God in someone's life. If you can know me before Christ and the man I am now, you would see a difference. I would say the story of many of you are probably the same. All you have to do is share that, how His presence has changed your life, and that's a foundation upon which God can do the work. His power and authority, His Word can minister to hearts and use you to disciple and teach other people. So today, when we hear about a call to discipleship that all of us have if we're a follower of Christ, we all have different skills, we all have different abilities, but all of us are called to make disciples, teach other people, to help young believers mature in their faith to where they can take hold of the confession of faith we have in Jesus Christ. It's the call of all of us. But it's a double-edged sword of it's convicting sometimes to hear that call. But also it's encouraging to know that Jesus gives us grace to go and fulfill it. He gives us the foundation of His power and authority, not our own. He gives us the foundation of His Word and His truth that we can study and invite people into learning with us. And He will do the work. And He gives us the grace of His presence with us so we can rest in the comfort and the encouragement of having a God that ministers to us and leads us to where we can go and do things. 
We can go and do things that are hard. We can take steps of faith that are scary, but we can trust in a God who is able because His presence is with us. So today, Art, as we leave this place, all of us, if we've experienced what it's like to submit and see the power of God work in our lives, we're able to disciple. If you know what it's like to have God's Word minister to you and lead you, you're able to disciple you know what it's like to have the presence of God move you, to convict you, to lead you in following God, and to comfort you, you have the hope to disciple and share the good news of other people. So that's the calling we have today is to go and make disciples. So as we move into a time of just invitation and just worship and response, all of us have a response here. Not necessarily coming up to the front or something, but all of us, even if we are a mature believer trying to disciple, remind yourself it's submit to God's authority and Christ's work. Trust in His Word to be used in your life to disciple people. And trust in His presence to guide and lead you as you try to go and make disciples. But some of you maybe feel like a spectator when you hear that. It seems foreign when you hear that to have that type of hope inside you that can compel you to go and share hope with other people. The good news of today is that Jesus is still offering this to you. His work on the cross wasn't just for the people who have already accepted Him. No matter what you've done, how far you are, whether you've been living in the church trying to do everything on your own, feeling far from God, you can come to Him and have His presence to work in you. Maybe you're running from him thinking he doesn't really matter. There's other things more important in your life. You can come and rest in him knowing that he will give you a purpose and he will use you to go and make disciples. Would you just join me in a time of prayer? Holy Father, we just thank you for the encouragement of your word, your living and active word that convicts us and encourages and leads us in how we should follow you. But God, we just thank You for Christ and His work on the cross, His overcoming of the grave so that we can all have hope and a hope worth sharing. But His grace doesn't stop with the cross, but His grace continues in our lives so we can go and make disciples of all people. In Jesus' name, Amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.